0: Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Word Pictures with Meredith podcast. I'm so excited that you're here today. I think you're going to be so pleased with the guest that we have on today. Her name is Lindy Galt. She is a friend of mine that I've known through the fitness world. Um, But more importantly, she's a sister in Christ and God has connected our hearts together. And it's just been my pleasure to walk beside her in some of her journey Lord, the Lord has just placed her on my heart in so many different times, and I'll share a little bit about that later. But now let's get to our episode with Lindy Galt as she shares very transparently and vulnerably about her journey um, and her walk with Jesus. Enjoy. <music> Welcome back to the Word Pictures with Meredith podcast. I'm super excited. Today we have our very first guest, Lindy Galt. She is here and she's going to share a little bit about her faith journey and the incredible things that God has done in her life. So welcome, Lindy.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here, but nervous.
0: Yeah. yeah. I don't get nervous very often, so. (laughs) It's okay. Me too. I'm nervous too. (laughs) So we're so excited that you are our first guest here. I just can't wait to hear more about your journey.
1: Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, sure. Um, Well, obviously my name is Lindy. Um, Grew up in a small town here in the Midwest. Um, I have been a believer my entire life. Uh, I don't remember a time when I didn't, you know, no, no, God, uh, I grew up in church. Um, so my faith was very important to me from a, from a young age, something that I learned about from my parents instilled in me, church every Sunday, Sunday school, youth group, oh, yeah. summer camp, all the stuff, you know, mm-hmm. all the things, mm-hmm. um, missions trips, even, you know, when I was a teenager, um, over the summertime, I'm basically very involved, um, in church, but I would say that my faith wasn't really my own at that time. It was like, you know, like you, I believed what I believed because it was what I was taught. And not that I, not that I didn't actually believe it, but it wasn't personal. You know, it was yeah. like, yeah, you know, you, you believe things because you love your parents and you trust them and they teach you, you know, and, um, I had accepted Christ of course. And, you know, uh, it was very important to me, but I don't think that my faith really became my own until I was in my twenties, probably. Um, and even in college, you know, I went to church off and on, but I, like many people during some of the years in high school and college, I strayed and, um, you know, was not living a life that was pleasing to God, um, through, through many of those years. And, um, but never, never lost what I believed, you know, always still, um, still knew what I believed and who I belonged to and that kind of thing. Just wasn't living it out. Um, And I would say it was probably, yeah, not until I was in my 20s. Um, And really, it was after I kind of had left home, you know, and when you're finally then out from under that and realizing like, (sighs) yeah. Whoa, you know, this is life outside of the bubble of my hometown and my family and, you know, my, all of that kind of stuff and, and, and taking it onto my own and then it becoming, um, you know, something that became personal to me. And, um, so anyhow, I, after college, I lived in Chicago for a few years and I actually did go to church while I was there, um, to, um, you know, to, to get kind of back, you know, back on track with, right? What I believe that kind of thing. Right. But again, it wasn't until I was, yeah, it, deep into my twenties that I really felt like, okay, I get this now. And this is much more than a list of do's and don'ts and right. a, you know, like a thing that was, it's expected that you live this way and that you don't do these things and Christians do this and Christians don't do that. And that became a relationship with Jesus right. at right. that point. Um, and actually I would say that a pivotal point for me was, was finding a home church, that was a church that I had chosen rather than a church that I had just gone to my whole life because it's where my parents went, you know? Right. right. Um, and that played a big role. And it was, a, it is, it is actually still the church I go to, to this day now with my husband and our family. Um, it became but, more personal that yes, way. Yes. It became much more personal that way. And it was the first time that I really started to understand um, the, the element of, of the Holy Spirit. Um, You know, even Mm -hmm. though I always knew there was God and there was Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it was really the first time I knew about the Spirit being an active participant in my faith and in my life and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And that changed everything too. You know, I knew what I believed, um, but there was just something different about, about that and about the way that they prayed in that church, and you know yes. there was something that changed for me there, and that's when it really started to become um, personal. I actually I worked in um, the nonprofit world for a little while um, in my early twenties. I worked for an organization called Youth for Christ. Okay. Um, yeah. I did administrative work there. Um, I had majored in marketing in college, and so I did some like administrative work and promotional and fundraising and that kind of thing. And then actually at one point there was. Um, a, the youth leader for for the high school, um, wasn't able to continue leading, and they asked me to kind of step in, and it was the high school that I graduated from, and so okay. I did that for about a year where I was mentoring yeah. um, other students, felt extremely unqualified, because I felt very much like, I'm still figuring this whole faith thing out, but I realized during that time, that's actually the most effective you know yes. when you're like you don't have i yeah. mean who has all the answers anyway you that's know that's this hidden
0: beauty in yes, all of it yes yeah.
1: yeah and so that was a transformative period in my life during um you know during that season um but yeah um so that i mean that's a little bit about me i guess in my my faith journey um yeah to tell you a, a little bit more about myself and this brings me into how you and i met um i've i've worked in the health and fitness industry for 15 years now, which, you know, I say that and I'm like, so I started when I was 10, like, (laughs) how is that possible? Um, But uh, I had a passion for fitness. It was just something that I did on my own, working out, you know, exercising was something I was really, um, you know, just really into and loved and um, my kind of passion for it and my love for it turned into a career. You know, it wasn't something that I ever actually saw happening, but I was kind of a group fitness junkie. I was going to classes all the time and participating. And at one point I, it just kind of clicked with me. Like, Hey, you know, I could actually teach these classes and I think I'd be pretty good at it. Yeah, And I'd get a free gym membership and I'd get paid to work out. (laughs) Yeah. It was like all these things. And so I did, and one certification led to another and to another, and yeah. I ended up on staff at that gym where I was teaching classes. I ended up on full time staff, and then I ended up overseeing the entire facility for about four years, which then led me to um, opening my own fitness studio and starting an online coaching business um, with a company. Yeah. And that's how you and I yeah, met. Was that's how we met through our love of fitness and yeah. through that um, mm-hmm. through that business and that company. So yeah, yeah,
0: that's so neat. I love how just God uh, connects all the dots yeah. and and your passions end up being your purpose. Completely. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, awesome. I, I,
1: uh, my dad said when I was a kid, I remember him saying, um, you know, like figure out what it is that you really love to do and then find a way to get paid to do it. Yes. Um, and I think that I had done that I, going into college. I, I made, like I said, I majored in marketing and I loved that. And that was kind of the route I wanted to take, but I didn't know until, until the fitness thing happened, I was like, yeah. motivate other people and to listen yeah. to great music and to yeah. be in this uplifting environment and all of that and so yeah that's how that that happened and I ended up like I said opening my own studio which I owned for about um five years I had a, a really successful online coaching business for nearly eight years um yeah and um and then things really changed that's when <laughs> yeah. Yeah. during that time was when life started to shift so and to rewind a little bit, the exciting part is I got to be connected
0: with you in both of those adventures, yes. the, the, um, online fitness coaching, mm-hmm. we were connected that way. And then I was even able to teach yes. um, some classes at your studio.
1: Yes. So yeah. it's
0: been kind of a neat journey just to see, um, our connection. Yeah, that Yeah,
1: absolutely. How God, um, brought On us our shared together. love of fitness. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you mentioned, um, how life just turned upside down. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. I guess I would back up a little. It was, um, it was I, I had left the facility where I had been working. Um, actually kind of stopped off in the nonprofit world again, um, working for an organization that does outreach for um, people who live kind of at or below the poverty level in our community and was doing fundraising and awareness for that kind of thing, while at the same time working on the studio that my, my husband and I had decided to. And it, in our hometown, which is a small town. And actually I'd always kind of had a dream of like doing something like that back in my hometown where we don't have, um, you know, like a gym or group fitness facility, that kind of thing. I
0: I mean, I, to interject a little bit, it met a need. Yeah. It really did. It met a need
1: for that type of fitness. Yeah. Yeah. And that um, was so, I mean, it was a dream come true. It was really exciting. And my husband and I got married in um, 2011, and it was about 2000, um, well, 2012 was when I kind of started down the path of opening the business, and 2013 is when we actually opened the physical facility of our of our own. But during that time, we were trying to start a family um, and um, struggling with that and trying to get answers for why that wasn't happening, and um, in, in the spring of 2013, I had a miscarriage, um, And that was my first, that was my first experience that makes me sound really sheltered and really like, you know, I, I did, I just didn't have many things in my life leading up to that point that were heartbreaking. Um, I haven't, I haven't lost, um, a lot of, you know, family members, like, you know, um, I still have two grandparents that are, you know, living. I hadn't, I hadn't really experienced death, I guess. Um, and I definitely wasn't, anticipating that this would be a struggle that we would face. We're healthy people. Right. You know, I take care of myself, like yes. just all of those kinds of things that you think naively in your mind, that just isn't going to happen to us. This isn't going to be something we experience. And so in early 2013, um, I had a miscarriage and the experience of that was something that I really was not prepared for. Not that you can ever be prepared for something like that, but, um, I found out I was pregnant and I miscarried in the same week. So it was the high and the low of that. I mean, in some ways I would say maybe that made it a little bit easier, quote unquote, I don't think anything makes stuff like that easier, but, um, just that I hadn't known for very long, I guess, but because we had been trying and struggling and praying for this and then it happened and then the heartbreak of that. Um, and so basically I threw myself into work. Um, that was like, I mean, that was right. I had the miscarriage and the next month we signed a lease on the space to mm. open the business because honestly I was like, I need a project. I need, yeah, I need a keep your hands baby. busy, Yeah. So that you can process. Mm-hmm. It was my way of, of, and in some ways it was probably my way of avoiding it. It was my way of distracting myself and avoiding the pain of it and just pushing through, which is kind of my tendency. Just, you know, just keep going. You're strong, keep going, make it through. Um, and so, that took my attention distracted me um and yeah and then we opened the facility and that got underway and basically i was um i was working a full-time job while opening a business and teaching classes and was doing what i had been doing for at least a solid five years at this point point which was running myself ragged and stretching myself Mm. way too thin like trying to be everything to everybody and do everything and prove that I could. And I don't know who I was trying to prove that to, but um, just doing too much, basically. I understand. (laughs) Yes, it's our personality types, right? I think so. (laughs) On a side note, do you know your Enneagram number? I I am, so I really need to take the test again, but because I kind of, you know, did it, but without really, I'm pretty sure I'm a one, but I'm a mix. I'm definitely, I know that, I know that they have wings. I haven't studied it yeah. a lot. Yeah. 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 I'm a one, but there's a lot of things that I resonate with about a one. And then there's a lot of things where I'm like, oh, that's not me at all. So I need to figure out what my other one is. Cause I know there's a wing on yeah. the balance of something, but yes, yeah, so a one, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the not, driven, not um, to,
0: not to put anyone in a box. No, but, no, know. <laughs> I know it's hard. Well, and as soon
1: as I read, you know, you're a one and a one is a basically like a perfectionist or yeah. reformer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I rolled my eyes because I've basically been told that my whole life, like yeah. you're a, you're a perfectionist and this is, you're the one who like, just kind of like gets things mm-hmm. done and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Not that that's a bad thing. No, but no, it's not at all. It can all. be any, yes. any personality yes. traits, that yes. is not kept in check and that is not balanced can get unhealthy yeah. for sure. I, I
0: I agree. Yes. Side note there. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. So here you are working
0: all these hours. You have your studio, you have your full-time job, and mm-hmm. in the midst, you're trying to process
1: this loss. Mm-hmm. Trying to process the loss, but then also trying to, um, trying again. Yeah. 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 And through that, learning, um, you know, learning a lot, um, but also... That was. I would say that that is the period of my life where I really just started to, you know, to use the term, wrestle with God. You know, yeah. just the questions of why and, you know, why this loss, but also why this struggle and why hasn't this happened yet? And, um, mm-hmm. you know, any anyone who has gone through any kind of infertility will know what I mean when I say like it's it's just something that you can't reconcile with God. Like, I don't know that I'll ever understand it on this side of heaven. Um, Probably not supposed to, but um, it's, I mean, you know, God, I know that God is for families. He's for children. He is, you know, all of that. And so, and especially in a world where we see so many neglected and abused children or people who don't want, you know, their kids and that kind of thing, it's very hard to, you know, reconcile mm-hmm. that basically in your mind and in your heart of like, why, when I, when we want this so much and we right. would be good parents, why aren't we being blessed with this and understanding right. that and trusting God through the process and trusting his timing and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And, um, you know, but I, I was, I was, I was pushing through and I was just, just keep going and keep doing it and it'll happen. And it, and, and, and I also probably was taking it on like a I'm going to make this happen um, because that's what I do. I right. make things happen and if I have a goal, I set right. out and I achieve it, you know. And right. I was learning the hard way through that situation that you can't always do that. That's not yeah. that's not the way it works, but I was sure determined, you know, I was reading everything I could and trying to understand everything and you know we were trying to get in with the doctors and um so anyway fast forward then to 2014. So at this point we had been We'd been trying for over two years at that point and had had the loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I am sure that I have heard from God my whole life. I don't think I can identify it, you know, like um, right. I don't think I was aware, right. you know, when right. I was younger. Uh, right. uh, having, having grown up, you know, with my faith and that kind of thing, I'm sure that I heard from God many, many times. I don't think that I knew that that's what it was at the time. Right. During this time, though, I was definitely praying, you know, like, I want to hear from you, like, help me to understand this, you know, um, Mm -hmm. is this ever going, is this going to happen? Like, you know, wanting answers, wanting to really hear from God, pressing in in prayer in that way. Um, and it was in the spring of 2014, um, you know, that, that I was just really discouraged. And um, mm-hmm. we made a, an appointment with reproductive medicine to kind of find out like, okay, what's going on? You know, is there an issue, you know? And basically after being poked and prodded and all the tests and all the kinds of things, Ugh, you know, yeah. we were basically in in so many words told that it was unexplained. Like, we don't know why you mm. aren't getting pregnant. But then I was also diagnosed with something called PCOS, which is um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, which is actually extremely common, but that they didn't expect for me because I don't meet the criteria of it. Like physically, okay. I don't look like someone who would have PCOS. And there are certain um, symptoms, okay. um, the most common ones I didn't have. You know, okay. um, So you know, people who know about it will, will probably be able to, to understand what I'm saying there. But anyway, diagnosed with that. Um, and I was just in this like, okay, well, tell me what to do to fix it. Right, right. <laughs> okay, that's the problem. Let's figure out how to fix it. And let's, you know, make this happen. And, um, uh, was put on a medication just to help with some of the symptoms of it. Nothing, nothing really fertility related, Put on a medication to help with the symptoms. And we just were like, okay, let's give this a couple months and let's see. Mm -hmm. And it was mother's day of 2014 and mother's day for anybody who goes through infertility is Extremely emotional, very hard. Um, you know, on the yeah. one hand, you're celebrating <laughs> your yeah. mom and all the moms in your life, and everybody's happy and celebrating. And then, you know, the people who who have gone through loss, um, lost their mother or estranged from their mom or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But those who are, you know, longing to become mothers, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. And um, this was the second Mother's Day since the loss of our first pregnancy and um, mm-hmm. first baby, I should say. Um, and uh, but I'm standing in church, and the pastor comes up at the end of the service, and I know you've heard this story before, but and I love it, and now it just like gives me chills every time yes, I to hear yes. it. Yes. So this is this is I think this story is kind of one of those pivotal moments. I mean, for so many reasons, but it's one of those pivotal moments of when I really started to hear from God, mm-hmm. when I knew for sure. Okay, now yeah. I'm starting to discern how I hear from you and how I know it's you and that kind of thing. So we're standing yeah. in church and you know, it's emotional. And at the end of the service, the pastor comes up and she says, um, you know, we know that Mother's Day is, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but we know that Mother's Day is hard for many of you, um, for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons. And um, our our pastor actually went through infertility, she was told she would never have children, mm-hmm. and she had five, um, naturally. So I've heard Yeah. yeah. I've heard her story as well. She has a big story. And so she actually was somebody we had been meeting with for, um, you know, we had met with a couple times for prayer and just, you know, Mm -hmm. very beginnings, you know, surface stages of that. So anyhow, she stood up and she just said, you know, we know this is a very hard day for many of you, especially for those of you who are longing to become um, mothers. And, you know, she said, I just want you to know that God, knows the desires of your heart he knows your longing and he longs to bless you um you know that it is his will for you to have children and that kind of thing and then she said she kind of took a breath and she said I she said I feel like I'm supposed to say this and she's kind of saying you know this it makes me nervous to step out and and to say this because it's bold but I feel strongly that that this is a word for someone here today yeah and she said um God wants you to know that on this day, next year, you will be holding a son. And I just knew she was talking to me. I just, it was just a knowing it was just this like overwhelming feeling. I mean, my, bo- my whole body got hot. Yeah. Holy spirit. Like yeah, absolutely. my whole body got hot and I just, I kind of started sweating and then I just started crying. And I remember looking at my husband and saying, I think she's talking to us. Like, I think she's talking to me and I believed it. And I went away from that believing that she was talking to us. And then, um, so that was obviously May. And then May passed and then June passed and negative, negative, you know, and um, July came around. And I remember thinking, God, I know that that was you. I know that was a word for me from you. I know I heard that. Mm but this is the last month that this can happen and be, yeah. it be mm-hmm. this child be mm-hmm. here before mother's day of next year. Yeah. And, um, I was pregnant that month. Yeah. Oh. And then we found out a few months later that it was a boy. And I, I remember having that moment of like realizing, Oh my gosh, it's a boy. Cause she said this time next year, you will be holding a son, son. which of course is from a story in the Bible, but yeah. 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 So that um, began kind of my journey of pressing in and really being able to hear from God though.
0: But you knew, like you knew that day. day that he that that the spirit was there, yeah. and he confirmed that. Mm-hmm. What a, what a glorious story yeah. of his faithfulness. And I tell it every year, you know, yeah. on on
1: yeah. social media. I tell it because I want to remind people and encourage people, and you know, like yeah. um, just and myself. I yeah. think, remind myself of it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So fast forward yeah. <laughs> that Mother's
0: Day in uh, your. Are you sitting in church, yeah. holding your son, Yeah. And what? Like, I, I can't even imagine the emotion yeah. that you felt that day. Yeah,
1: the emotion of it was tremendous. And they um, actually they had wanted to do kind of a feature on us. And I can't remember what was going on at that time that we weren't able to do it, but they had wanted to like kind of tell that, and they did tell the story. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was amazing. And then, um, you know, then it was kind of one of those. I think I fell into this. Well. Okay, I struggled for a little, you know, while, and now that my prayer was answered and everything is going yeah. to be great again. And I, that was the one thing in my life that was going to be hard, and now I'm going to be great. <laughs> aren't, aren't we so gullible? <laughs> really, I really oh, do think gosh. like, okay, God, thanks for that little oh. trial. I trust you more now, yeah. and I'm yeah. closer to you. We're, and, we're good now. And now we're good. I'm, just, I'm, I'm strong. Yeah. Yes, the little did I know. Um... So the end of that year, when our son was eight months old, um, he had been having abnormal bruising, uh, since he was about four to five months old, we had noticed like little bruises here and there on his body. And obviously a child of that age isn't up running around, running into things. So we were a little bit like, what's this about Mm -hmm. what's going on? Mm -hmm. I've always been an easy bruiser. So I kind of was like, well, maybe he's just going to be an easy bruiser. Like mom, you know? Um, right. Right. But the bruises started showing up more and more and he's at home with us. He was at home with me and he was with my mother-in-law and, you know, he wasn't in daycare. So we never right, had these right. fears of like somebody is doing something to him. Um, long story short, we went to the doctor kind of said, you know, i don't understand this what's this about i mean we were very much dismissed and told oh he's probably an easy bruiser just put a warm compress on it and it'll be fine and that kind of thing and we thought and i kept thinking no there's more to this like this is not you know it's that motherly oh yeah mama's no yes um so a couple months of pushing and testing and um when he was eight months old we we found out that he had a rare genetic disorder a bleeding disorder called hemophilia um, and it was a surprise diagnosis to us because there's no history of hemophilia in my family that we know of, and it's a genetic disease. Um, so, um, that started us down a, a journey that, yeah, I could never mm. have ever seen coming. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I'd ever even heard of hemophilia. I mean, maybe I'd heard of it, but I just, you know, don't pay right. attention because it's extremely rare. And um, he has Severe hemophilia B, which is the rare, more rare form. There's hemophilia A and hemophilia B and, um, actually less than 4,000, um, people in the country have, uh, hemophilia B. Wow. So, um, he was diagnosed at eight months old. Um, and quite honestly, for several months, I thought they got it wrong <laughs> like yeah because there was nothing happening and i was reading all these stories online and looking at pictures of what parents were going through with their children with hemophilia and we weren't experiencing any of it and i thought i don't know maybe they're maybe they're wrong or maybe god's right like right. protection is is in this mm-hmm. and so um around 18 months old actually i was thinking about this as i was coming here um when lincoln was 18 months old we did the child dedication. Um, of him at church Mm -hmm. and um, the day of his dedication was the day of his first, what's called a spontaneous joint bleed, which is something that um, people with hemophilia have. And I don't think that that's random. I think it was like this day when Mm -hmm. we declared his life was going to be, Mm -hmm. you know, how we were gonna raise him, how his life was gonna be lived. And I've always believed because of the prophetic word that we got over him that God was going to use his life um, in big ways. And and we chose when he was diagnosed to believe that that was probably going to be one of the biggest ways that he uses his life. And so the day that he was dedicated, he had his first what's called a spontaneous joint bleed. It's basically Mm -hmm. like a lot of people think that if a child has hemophilia, that it means, oh my gosh, if they get injured, they're just going to like bleed like crazy, Right, right? Which could potentially be the case, but actually it's more concerning that they have, internal like um, where we can't see it right right um he was obviously a toddler up walking and you know running around so it can be caused by something like that but um basically it's just like his blood doesn't clot the way that it's supposed to on its own Mm -hmm. and so blood can like seep into the joint cavities Mm -hmm. where it's not supposed to be and it almost it almost to them feels like a severe sprain but it can cause muscle swelling and joint swelling there's heat around the area And for an 18-month-old, I mean, he couldn't tell me what was wrong. All he could do was scream and say, owie, and point to his ankle. Um, Right, right. So that started our first trip to the hospital, which led to lots of challenges in figuring out his medication and how he was not yet on a medication. They usually just wait and see with Mm -hmm. hemophilia patients, like, what's he going to need and when's he going to need it? That started us down a path of him getting infusions. Every single week, we would go to the hospital for him to get an infusion via um, an IV um, of the medication that he needed to keep his body safe, basically. But okay. there were a, a lot of challenges within that. Um, you know, I make it sound simple right now, but oh, well, yeah, there's a lot of detail. There. Yes. There was a lot of detail. There was about six weeks in and out of the emergency room when they didn't have a plan in place for him and he kept getting reoccurring bleeds and we just have to go oh, back to gosh. the ER because there was no other place to get him treatment because we don't have a center here near us. And And as you know, the ER is just, yeah, I mean, you don't go there for 20 minutes. (laughs) The last place that you want to go. Yeah. So I mean, trips for four hours at a time. Yes. So the challenges of that, that was through 2016 and then early 2017, I really started feeling like I was hearing from God again. Um, so trying to pick my story up because I know there's so much here. Um, but
0: Just popping in here real quick, just to take a moment to gather yourself, to just sit in awe at the fact that God has such perfect timing. Aren't you enjoying Lindy's story? Isn't it just amazing to see how God works and that his timing is always perfect? Sit back and uh, just relax and let's get back to Lindy's story.
1: So, um you know, through that season, that was a time again, when I felt like I was just having a lot of conversations with God, like, okay, why, you know, yeah. and, you know, that's probably the question that I asked God the most and that I've learned to kind of, I don't know, stop, asking questions because right are we ever really going to understand you know right understand right. it all but that's like of course that's that's what i want i want to understand because when i understand right. i can fix it <laughs> yeah well
0: because if you have the
1: answer why then it makes more sense makes to more you sense and, sense. and then it, yes. yeah it's so and it's you know completely understandable. yeah and but god leaves so many things as you know a mystery and and so many things we just don't understand until Years later, looking right. back at them, you know, I can look back at so many things now and I see, oh, yeah, there, and you were there, and you, and there you were there, and right. you know, that kind of thing. But, right, so a lot of talking to God through that time. And I can remember saying, um, I had to a friend of mine who had kind of approached me and we didn't know each other very well. Um, and this is one of the ways that I think that God, you know, works. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not know each other very well, and she, um, approached me and said, you know, I just want you to know that I've been praying for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I said, thank you and that kind of thing. And she said, no, I mean, like, I'm really praying for you. Like every day I'm at a certain time praying for you. And I kind of thought like, what, what, you know? And she said, I just feel like God told me that you need people in your corner right now. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I'll never forget that. And I, after that, she and I started to talk more, become closer and I can remember saying to her, and she remembers very clearly that I said, I wish I heard from God the way that you do because Uh she felt like God had told her to pray for me. So she started praying for me, you know, every day. And I said, I wish I heard from God the way that you do, you know, and she said, well, let's pray for that. You know, like Mm -hmm. let's start praying that you will hear from him more clearly. And so the way that God has always, you know, um, spoken to me and this is why I said, I'm sure that I was hearing from him all through my life and not realizing that that's what it was, but I'm an incredibly deep feeler, like a very, Mm -hmm. Emotional um, person. It does not take much at all for me to start crying, like at all. Saying crying multiple <laughs> times a day. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah. Uh, same here. Yeah. So I'm a very deep feeler, and God has always spoken to me through feelings. Um, but I don't think I ever really knew how to discern it because I have so many emotions, and my right, emotions right. are so big. It like, was like are those mine yes, yes. or yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I really did feel like during this time, like God started to show me how to identify them. And and the, the way that I feel like God does speak to me is through kind of like almost like a knowing. It's like this gut feeling, you know, like, you know how people say, like, trust yeah. your gut and your gut instinct yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. And it was really like that gut, you know, feeling like something that just kept coming back to me and I couldn't kind of shake yeah. the feeling of yeah. it or whatever. The other way has been through other people, you know, through... Yeah. Yeah, you know, my, my friend that I just mentioned through you, you have many times sent me messages or said things that I've thought, okay, that was God because she could not have known that, you know, because even though we're connected, it's not like we're close enough to talk on a day-to-day basis about our lives. Right. Right. Yeah. So it was through that time that I, um, yeah, that I really felt like I started to hear from God more. So at this point it's 2017. I, I have owned my fitness studio for four years. Um, and I was exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, you know, almost a, an 18 month old that now had this, you know, yeah, that you're just that trying about, to understand yes. his new
0: diagnosis, yeah. and not
1: knowing what his needs are going to be. We're going to the hospital regularly, you know, we're kind of like learning and figuring all of that out. Um, I was running this uh, online coaching business that was huge and successful. And I had a team of nearly a thousand people and then I had this fitness studio and I was teaching multiple classes a week and, wow. and the studio wasn't large enough for those of you, you know, listening who don't have any knowledge of our town and that kind of thing. The studio wasn't large enough for me to have like staff that were handling things. Like, right, right. It was I you. mean, <laughs> I was HR, <laughs> I was janitorial, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was admin, I was the yeah. boss and I was the person who filled in if somebody couldn't teach, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was I could finish up teaching a class at, you know, six thirty seven 7 o'clock at night. And somebody could tell me that they couldn't teach at 5.30 the next morning. And, and I was the were, one that had to get up yeah. and go in and teach. So, yeah. um, and those are all things that I knew going into it, you know, but I, I didn't know that I would have a child and that I would have a child with this condition and that kind of thing. And I was exhausted. I mean, just completely, um, hanging on, you know, yeah. like, but as though everything was wonderful and fine and, you know, successful and great and all of that. And behind the scenes, I was struggling. And, um, it was the spring of 2017 that, um, I just started having this feeling that I was supposed to let go of my business, let go of the studio. And, um, I said, absolutely not. Like, I mean, I felt like God was saying that and I was like, Nope, not gonna do it. Yeah. Yeah. kind of, kind of saying to him, no, that can't be what you're saying. Yeah. I know that you would not ask me to do this. Look at all the work I've put into it. Look at all, you know, are you kidding me? This mm-hmm. is my dream. Yeah. And I kind of started saying, you know, to my husband, I mean, through, at this point, I think I had been saying to my husband, like, I'm so tired. I'm so, you know, and he was saying, I, I really think you're going to have to like, this is too much, you know? And, um, and we wanted to have more children and it was like, you know, all these, so, um, yeah, I kind of just kept telling God, no, stop saying that I'm not doing that. Like tell right. me something, ask me to do something else, but that, <laughs> but I'm not doing that. And then, um, the business next to us, uh, approached us and just said, you know, Hey, I, we know that your lease is up next spring. What do you plan to do? Are you going to, are you going to stay? Or are you guys, you know, leaving or, you know, expanding or whatever. Right. And, um, you know, I said, oh you know we'll renew well I'm I'm sure we'll renew whatever and they said okay well we just wondered because we want to expand and we would take your plate we would take your space if you were going to let go of it but otherwise we're going to need to find a new place because it was it's a nail salon and they said um we need more space yeah yeah and I was like okay you know and I just yeah
0: and in your gut you're thinking okay god I know you're lining things up but I'm
1: still saying no (laughs) didn't you hear me I said no yeah <laughs> yeah, exactly. And
0: he says, oh Lindy, uh-huh. You're so
1: cute. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So Aww. it was, it was like it was like he said, um, yeah. no, I'm I'm not I'm not, you know, just suggesting this. I'm telling you this is what needs to happen and I'm giving you yeah, a lifeboat. Yeah. I'm giving you a way out, yeah. you know. And so I did. I said to them, um, you know. I don't think so, but I'll keep it in mind, you know, and that was in April. And by June, I looked at my husband and I said, we have to do this. Like, and it was heartbreaking because I had worked so hard. Um, and I loved this business and I loved the people and the community. And there was one of my, the things that I struggle with most is letting people down Mm -hmm. is feeling like, I've let people down or that I'm not doing what they expect of me or what they need from me and that kind of thing, which is why I burn myself out because I'm always like, what right. do they need? What do they need? What do they need? Right. And um, the thought of taking this place that I knew meant so much to these women, you know, who yeah. came there was really, really hard, but I really felt God saying like, You have to do this for you, like and Mm -hmm. what you and your family want, you know. And at one point during that time, I remember my husband had said, um, he had said something like, You're you are so good at what you do, and it's obvious that you love it, you know, so much. Um, and he said, But everyone else gets the best of you and we are kind of getting Mm -hmm. what's what's left, you know, you're tired and you're you know, all of that. And that was one of those like, oh, okay okay, God. Yes. Um, and yeah. so I went back to the people and I just said, do you still want the space? And they said, yeah, we would take it tomorrow if you would give it to us. And I said, okay, let's start the process of mm-hmm. letting this go. Um, so I yeah. closed my studio. Um, and this is where it gets, <laughs> it's it kind of good, um, <laughs> bad, but good in the way that God worked. Um, so I we made the decision in August. I made the announcement that we were closing and, um, we closed at the end of October and the week before we were set to close like have our final class kind of have a celebration yeah um our son um had an anaphylactic reaction to uh his medication while we were in the hospital for his infusion and thank god we were in the hospital um mm. because it was the scariest moment of my life he's getting this medicine pushed through an iv into his vein oh my gosh um and we had just changed doctors and the doctors um noticed that he had, it's still a decent amount of bruising. And they said, we really think that he's being underdosed, but we also think he needs a longer lasting medication. We'd like to try this drug. And so we went in to try this medicine on this particular day, thinking it's going to be any right other Just routine. Other, yeah. mm-hmm. Like it is every single week. And mm-hmm. sweet guy, I mean, he was, um, two years old at the, at this time, two and a half at this time. And, you know, we just stick his little hand out to get the needle in in his vein. Yeah. And they're pushing the medicine in and he looks at me and I can just tell by the look on his face that something was weird, you know, and he kind of like holds his stomach and looks at me and says, mommy. And I was like, you, you know, are you okay, buddy? And then he just starts pointing to his mouth and kind of making a gagging noise. And his tongue was swelling and his throat was closing. Like he was completely having an anaphylactic reaction And I immediately screamed at the nurse and said, he's having a reaction. He's having a reaction. Like he can't breathe. And thank God the nurse who was working. um, She's the one who did his infusions every week. She said, I mean, she just, she kind of broke protocol, but she, she just pulled the needle out, put pressure on it. And she said, follow me. And she didn't call for help. She didn't do anything. And we ran through the, emer- through the hospital to the emergency room and my two and a half year old, she's carrying him and he's turning blue Oh my gosh! while we're running through the hospital. And then he started projectile vomiting and just, I mean, it was life or death situation. I don't know what we would have done if we had not been in the hospital, um, mm. when this happened and they rush him into a room and like, 10 people come in and they start hooking them up to IVs and doing all of this stuff. And uh, I'm surprised I can tell this story without crying right now, because it was truly at that point, the most traumatic thing I had ever been through. Yeah. We had many more situations following this, but that was the week before the studio closed. And, um, We found out from that, we thought, oh, he just had an allergic reaction to that medication. Okay, guess we won't use that medication. Like, go back to the other one. But through that process, what we learned about his condition, um, and we had to go through testing and all kinds of stuff, was that he had developed what is called an inhibitor to his medication. So his body had created, had created, his body had basically gone, wait a minute, I don't create this. Uh This is a foreign invader the medication being what his body needed and his body created antibodies to fight the medication so he had developed an inhibitor which happens in so he that made him less than um one of less than 100 people in the entire country who have his specific condition like hemophilia b with an inhibitor is less than 100 people in the entire country so extremely rare Um, But so we found out he had this inhibitor and that took us on a path that would lead us into 10 straight months of being in and out of the children's hospital for admissions and dealing with emergency situations with him and um, joint bleeds and muscle bleeds and all kinds of things. Because basically we found out from that he can't get the medication that his body needs because he will have that reaction to it each time because his body is rejecting the medication. And, um, that was one week before we closed the doors on the studio. And so that happened and we didn't know at that moment in October, but then we were in the hospital in November Mm -hmm. and December and January and February, we were in the hospital every single month until the following July. And the shortest admission we had was four days in that time. And the hospital, when I say the hospital, we're talking about a children's hospital. It's an hour and a half away. Yeah. Yeah. So closing the studio was God's provision. So you you
0: look back and you think what a painful decision Mm -hmm. and it was painful, but look at the
1: provision. Mm -hmm. There's no way. Yeah. The, I mean, we would footage. have, I would have gone to, I would have had to go up there one day and just put a sign on the door that yeah, said, I'm sorry, sure. closed." because there's no way I could have operated that facility during that time. And so God's speaking to me yeah. at the beginning of that year. And, and it was that, it was that feeling, it was just that feeling yeah. of like, mm-hmm. you're supposed to lay this down. You're supposed to let this go. And I fought it, you know, I said, no, God, you can't be serious. Do you know how much work I've put into this? Do you know, that. And then it was him taking it a step further, like, okay, you're not going to listen. I'm going to provide you with an option for a way out. And then it was, you know, and then there were things that happened through that summer that, but it was that it started with that, you know, that Mm -hmm. the way that God speaks to us, you know, and then using other people and putting those things. And so, Yeah. yeah, so we closed the studio and then immediately went into this season of 10 months of being in and out of the hospital. And again, another season of going God, what are you doing here? What is right, this? Why? Right. I don't understand. Um, you and, know, and in the midst, trying to process
0: all that you just have gone through mm-hmm. with your son, and that you're continuing to go through, yeah. and try to fight for his health and understand what's happening to his body, right. and
1: yeah, it, it's that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and the sheer exhaustion of going. I mean, we would yeah. go to the hospital, and we would be there for you know four to seven days or whatever we would come home and sometimes within two days we'd turn around and have to go back and be admitted again because of what was going on with his body. And that's a whole nother story cause that's understanding his um, condition and stuff. But I mean, it was, it was horrible. And there were experiences that happened in the hospital that were so traumatic for him, which of course then are traumatic for oh, parents. Of and, course. Um, of course. But yeah, during that time. And so what also happened, which I hadn't mentioned yet, but is a big piece of this was, um, closed, you know, closed the studio. But at the same time, during that fall, when everything started happening with Lincoln, I also felt very strongly that God was telling me to lay down my coaching business, my online business that I've been, I had spent seven years building. And there was, there's a whole nother backstory in that. Um, you know, that maybe sometime that'll be a story. uh, you know, <laughs> another, another guest thing that I do where I tell the, the knowing of that in there, yeah, but I felt very yeah. strongly that God was saying to lay that down too. And yeah. it was partly because of the time and the energy that that was taking and all of that. And as I was thinking about that piece, I mean, during this time, you know, we we've, we've wanted to expand our family. We wanted to have more children. Mm-hmm. Things hadn't gotten, um, hadn't gotten hectic and crazy with Lincoln just yet with my son. And um I felt God saying, you know, lay this business down too. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I thought, God, I just laid down this right. and now this right. too. And I mean right. it was a significant income yeah. for us, a very significant income for us. It was, it was mainly our our full-time income. And um so there was that, you know, like, but I again I just had this knowing yeah you you, you've experienced it enough times Uh to where you know there was just something that i just knew i knew that god was saying Mm -hmm. i want you to lay this down and trust me um Mm -hmm. with it Mm -hmm. and so i had planned to um start a different business i was i made the decision i was going to lay this down i was going to start a different business but as i was wrestling with that i felt very strongly and this is one of those things where i feel like you know you have word pictures um Mm -hmm where you feel like God gives you that vision and then mm-hmm. he tells you what it means and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. for me, like I said, a lot of times it's a feeling a lot of times it's words from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the feeling, the thing that goes with the feeling part is sometimes it almost feels like a thought that just gets planted in my mind that I kind of go, I don't feel like that was my thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? That like,
1: one wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. was while I was wrestling with this whole, what you want me to lay this down too. Mm-hmm that this thought that just kind of, it just kind of like showed up in my mind. Um, It was like, I heard this voice that said, you have too many things. You are carrying too many things. Mm. You have to lay this down. um, If you want to be able to pick up anything else. Like at the time, I I was so crazy with Lincoln. We were, we were praying for another child. And I felt like he was saying, you have to lay this down if you want to pick something else up. Like you don't have room in your hands for this. Yeah. Now in hindsight, I see that it was more of like there are other things that are you're going to be carrying during this season and right now your full. You're gonna to have to lay this down. So yeah, made the decision to do that too. So it was like <sighs> clinging to these things yes. that you think are giving you security and you think are what you need, and you know you've known and all those things, and having God say. I want you to let these go and trust me trust that I'm going to do something through this. Um, so yeah.
0: And not to mention that online coaching business, as you said, was your financial, mm-hmm. uh, provision. Mm-hmm. And so here you're facing all of these medical mm-hmm. done and God's saying, yes, let go of mm-hmm. this financial provision. Yeah. I'm going to provide in another way. Yeah. I mean, that's
1: terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And we had no idea. And, and it hadn't gotten bad enough, you know, uh, we had been in the hospital in October and November. I made the decision in November to to lay down that business. Um, We didn't know we were gonna spend the next eight months in the right. hospital. You know, right. I maybe I wouldn't have done it had you know that's one of those things where had I known, no, I would have had none of that because I would have clung to that. But I knew yeah. that God was saying, "Trust me, let us go lay this down." And so, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs>
0: Friends, aren't you just full of emotion as you've been listening to Lindy's story? Aren't you just in awe at the timing of God and how he has walked so faithfully through her journey with her? There's so much more to come in Lindy's story, and we just didn't want to cram it all into one episode. So we're actually breaking it down into two parts. So this is going to be part one, and then after the first of the year, look for part two. I did want to share with you just one of the stories in how God has connected Lindy and I. It's been months now, but one night uh, I was sound asleep, and I typically am one that sleeps through the night. I really don't have a lot of waking up and interruptions, but this time I was sound asleep and God woke me up. I mean, it was just as clear as could be. I was awake, not groggy. And I could just sense that I was supposed to be praying for Lindy. She just was on my heart so strong. And the lyrics to the song Waymaker kept running through my head. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that song, but part of it says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. And that just kept going through my mind, and I just prayed that over Lindy, that she would just sense God's peace. And that even in the fact that she couldn't see that things were happening, that he indeed was working in her life. So I prayed that prayer, probably five to 10 minutes. And then I went back to sleep, which was not something that can easily happen for me. If I'm awoke at night, I usually tend to stay awake, but I just went back to sleep that night. The next morning, I just felt so strongly that I needed to reach out to Lindy and let her know what had happened. So I had messaged her and just told her how God had woke me up and that I had prayed for her and exactly what time it was that that he had woke me up. And she responded tearfully and said, you'll never believe. I was awake at that time of night. I was being attacked. I was um, very just in a dark mental place, I felt like the enemy was just after me. And I was up praying and seeking God at that very time that God woke you up. And after I read that message, of course, I cried as well, because it's just another example of how God has perfect timing, how he connects us and how we stand in the gap and we pray for each other. So I just wanted to share that encouraging story with you today as we wrap up this episode that God is there. And even when you don't see it, he is working. I pray that you would just seek him, that he would make himself real to you. And that when you do feel those urgings, when someone is placed on your mind or on your heart, or even if you wake up at night and you are thinking of that person, pray for them. God is is using you to fill that gap, and there's nothing more honoring and humbling than to be used in the kingdom of God. I thank you so much for listening to this episode. I look forward to the next time that we can meet again, and we will just talk again soon. Thanks, friends.